0: One thing you learn about when you are going into the promised land, and we believe that we're in the promised land, one thing you learn about is that it's not going to be easy to be in the promised land. A lot of people think that once you get to the promised land, everything is roses and chocolates and it's all fine, you know, but that's not the case. When you get into the promised land, it's usually a lot of hard work. You have to, you have to do a lot of uh, hard work to establish yourself in the new land. Your old life is gone and the new life has come. When you leave your old life, there's a whole lot of stuff that you've got to shake off when you get into a new place. It's like moving into a new house and you've got to, you've got to get comfortable with the new house. It's unfamiliar and there's a lot of things that are different inside there and you can't take your old furniture in there. It's got to stay out. You've got to have new furniture but sometimes you've got to go and buy new furniture and it, it's like your whole life is going to be different when you move into the new, new place and it usually means a lot of hard work. If you are there in a new place and you forget who brought that new place to you, if you move into the promised land and you forget that God took you out of Egypt and took you across the Red Sea and took you through the wilderness and fed you in the wilderness and, and, and helped you, uh, you know, get over all of the difficulties in the wilderness and you get into the promised land and you get into the promised land and you forget the origins of where you came from, life becomes meaningless. Because God takes you somewhere for a purpose. God takes you out of one place and puts you in a new place for a reason. He takes you out of an old life and puts you into a new life because he has a purpose and a meaning and a reason for the new life. And if you get into the new life, you become a Christian, you move on and say, oh, I'm going to be a Christian there. And you give your life to Jesus and Jesus comes into your heart and he starts to live in your heart. The reason he comes into your life is very clear. He has a purpose and a reason and a meaning for you being there. If you can't get that meaning, you don't understand that meaning, you forget your origins of where you come from, then life becomes meaningless. And in a sense, we live in a world that actually is preaching the meaninglessness of life continuously. We're told in our society that God is not real. We're told that we come from some sort of chemical reaction that happened when a lightning bolt struck a prime mordial slime pit and and life began in the single cell and we sort of evolved to the intelligent beings we are today we're told that that was the way it was and that somehow we are there you know that we're there because of some great accident that happened there's no meaning in it so meaning comes from a purposeful being doing something purposefully you know I, i decided to get married one day so God told me who to marry, and I followed that direction. And I married my wife, and we had children, and we celebrated, you know, Christmas with our kids this year. And there was sort of purpose and meaning in having those children. And the kids have got grandkids now, and the dancing, and, and the, the having, and it's all lovely. And but you see, each life has a meaning and a purpose around each life. And I know that God took me out of one place and put me in another place for a reason, for a, for a purpose, and that the whole of this family is built together because God has a plan for us as a family. I know that. But if I were to think that I just somehow evolved from an accident, there would be no purpose and no meaning. It would be meaningless. The whole thing would be meaningless. There's no reason for it. And our society has got to a place where it actually says there really isn't any meaning for life. The only meaning that we have is the meaning that you put on it. And if your meaning is different to my meaning doesn't matter so in the last great wars in the first world the second world war the russians thought and the polish thought and the germans thought that their meaning was to be stronger than everybody else and the strongest will survive and we'll overcome everybody and we'll kill everybody else off we'll kill off all the jews we'll kill off everybody else and that's what their purpose and their meaning was for And because they didn't have a God, there was no morality, no right and wrong, and they could do whatever they liked. They could do whatever they thought because they thought that that was what it was and it didn't matter where you were and it didn't matter what you think, it didn't matter what nationality you came from. Their meaning and their purpose overrode your meaning and purpose. See, if there's no God-giving meaning and purpose and man creates his own meaning and purpose, we're all lost because it means... That if I decide that I have a greater worth than you and I decide that my survival is better than your survival, then I can kill you. And that's not wrong because there is no wrong and right. It was just an accident that happened somewhere billions of years ago. And we create whatever's right and whatever's wrong in our own mind. That's when there's no God outside of the picture embracing it. This is the season of the last days. I don't think we've got much history left before it all runs up. The Bible, the purpose of God, has showed us very clearly what's going to happen. And in the, in the, in the last pages of the book of Revelation and the book of Ezekiel and the book of Daniel, we read a lot about what's going to happen. And those things are happening now in our society now. They're happening as we live. You read the newspaper, you see these things happening. all the time. So evolution, we know, is the the gospel according to man about man's origins that started about in the 1800s you know with charles darwin actually there were people who were talking about it before darwin came along but darwin put it all together now it's gone to things called astrobiology turn to your neighbor and say astrobiology And you, know, you probably wouldn't have heard that but it's there it's just coming out now in the news so astrobiology let me talk about that if we all came from an accident, then how did it all happen? Now, the more we look at evolution, the more we discover that it's really difficult to believe that because we are so uniquely made. So those who believe that evolution is part of it have to say, they're starting to say now, well, maybe there was a creative beings or something like, Aliens from another world that planted seeds in our world that created the thing that started the whole thing going. That's why we're looking for life on other planets. That's why is looking for life on other planets. They have this principle, it's called the principle of mediocrity. Everybody say mediocrity. Mediocrity means there's nothing special about you. You're just mediocre. The principle of mediocrity says there's nothing special about the earth. The earth is just like any other earth. There are thousands and thousands and billions of earths floating around society that could have life on them. And so this is the sort of thing that you see current potentially habitable ex- sorry, planets. This is in the newspapers. They, they present this in the newspapers to us now. telling us These are all the other planets around in our solar system or in the solar systems near us a few light years away from us that are close enough to their sun that they could have life on them. They're in that Goldilocks zone, which is the special zone where only the planets where they're living in that zone around their sun can can have life. It's just that you can't support life. If you're too close to the sun, you'll burn up. If you're too far away, you'll freeze. You have to be right in that right place. So there's nothing particularly special about us. Well, we've got at least 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 or... We've got lots of them there and we've got kind of to find... And with all the galaxies out there, there must be lots and lots more. See, there's nothing special about us. Well, why would they say that? They'd say that because they want you to believe that there is life on other planets and that we're looking for life on other planets and that there is something really positive out there about life on other planets. Now, this is the, this is the biggest telescope, binocular telescope in the world, and it's owned by the Catholic Church. You say, is it really? Yes, and they have a program. They have a program, and it's called Lucifer. Now, you're saying, oh, this is all news to you. No, this is all a large binocular telescope near-infrared utility with camera and integral field unit for extragalactica research and those who are researching the most on this issue are the catholic church connected with nasa and others you think oh that's strange i didn't know that no you didn't you didn't have to know that because the reality is this the catholic church already believes that there are extraterrestrials out there and the quote clo- just a few weeks ago, a month ago, you saw the Pope saying that he would baptise an alien if there was one. It was in the newspaper. This is what they have said. This is what the Church has said. The Vatican has already covered the angles. It seems in 2008, its chief astronomer Jose Gabriel Ferns publicly accepted that there could be life on other planets. Why can't we speak of brother of a brother ter- extraterrestrial? He said, it would, be, it would still be part of, of creation. Aliens might even be closer to God than us. Fern suggests that humans could be the lost sheep of the universe. In other words, alien visitors might well have a more advanced religion than ours. Rather than baptizing them, we might want to convert to their faith. Now, let me explain this to you very carefully. If this is going on and it's going on now, you know we know they're searching for life and they're going to... And if there is nothing special about Earth that it was seeded from another planet, then everything that you believe in terms of your faith and written in the Word of God is a myth. It's a story that's been made up. And if, perchance, there should be some alien visitation that suddenly arrives and says, hey, here we are, because we're looking for them and the aliens are coming and they'll land these ships, spaceships, and they'll say, here we are, this is who we are. It would unify all religions like that. And you'd have one world religion straight away. It would explain how the Red Sea got split in half. It would explain how the manna fell from heaven. It would explain how fire fell. It would explain all the miracles of the Bible because they're all created by an alien who is God. And he's come now to save us. He's come to save us. And he will set himself up in the temple of God and be as God. You think, is that possible? Is that possible? Well, that's what astrobiology is all about. It's come from an alien race and that's what we're looking for now. And a lot of the a lot of the atheists now, the atheist scientists, are actually bending towards this because everything in creation is so created, it's very hard to defend an evolutionary perception without some divine input. Second Thessalonians chapter two verses one and twelve says let no one deceive you by any means for that day will co- not come unless the falling away comes first. And you're seeing a lot of people falling away in churches these days. Churches used to be packed. They're not packed anymore unless you're doing dancing at the front and doing crazy stuff. You know, Generally people are falling away. The love of most grows cold, it says, because there's so much wickedness in the world. And the man of sin is to be revealed and the son of perdition, that's the evil one, who op- opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery... So we are the ones who are restraining it. The Holy Spirit is the one who's restraining it. Restraining means he's holding it back. So It's being held back. God's holding it back. It's not coming yet. We looking at what's happening on the news we're reading the newspapers you see things are happening really really quickly and we think you know what is happening here and it says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way and he's going to take it out of the way the holy church, the holy spirit will be taken out of the way the church will be raptured probably and taken out of the way and then you're going to see it all happen and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is in according with the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So you're going to see some extraordinary things. Fire coming down from heaven and amazing things appearing. And with all, unrighteousness deception, all unrighteous deception among those who have perished, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So loving the word of God and reading the word of God and believing the truth of the word of God will save you. If you decide to throw that away, you're in danger. And for for this reason, God sends a very strong delusion that they would believe a lie, that they all may be condemned who do not believe the truth but take pleasure in unrighteousness. So there's a deception coming that's going to be so strong you'll wonder, How can I believe what I used to believe? Things are so different now. This is the season of the end. They're talking astrobiology now. They're talking about it. 200 years ago, it would have been impossible to even conjure that in your mind. But they're talking about it now. They've got all the telescopes around, flying close to Mars, looking up and and conjecturing and saying... There's water on Mars, or we can find some amino acids on Mars. There's life, it used to have life on Mars. We've got proof of water coming down the sides of the hills on Mars. Why is this all going on? Why are we getting fed this every day? Because there's a deception coming down, a great deception coming down to try and move you from your belief in in the truth. This is the season of the end. I have a water lily garden at my place. That's my locusts growing there, lotuses growing there in the water lily. It says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. This is summertime in my garden. You know it's summertime because the leaves are there and the flowers are there. In the winter time, there is nothing on top of the water. It has disappeared. The whole plant has gone and it's underwater. And it stays underwater until the warmth comes. And when the warmth comes, the leaves come and the flowers come. There's a reason for the season. This is the way it lives. This is the way it propagates. This is the way it keeps on going. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, this is time to be born and a time to die. We, We experienced death in our fellowship this last week because it was season for Marie to go to be with the Lord. That was a seasonal thing. And every one of us, if the Lord tarries, will face the season of death. We will do the same journey as she so bravely did. We will follow the same course. And in the end, we will die. We will all die. It's morbid, isn't it? But that's the reality. Uh, There is no one here that has lived forever and no one here that will live forever in their their flesh. We will all live together forever in, in Christ if we believe in him. And if we don't believe him, we'll live together forever somewhere else. But there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, And a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. That's what it's like in the promised land. There's a season, there's something to be doing. The question that we really have is are we in the right season at the right time? Or are we out of whack with God? The Bible says in in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9, it says, And what profit has the worker from all that he in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are so to, are to be occupied, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to end. And then, inside everybody, we all kind of think that we're going to live forever. Did you, can you ever think about not living? Have you ever got to that place where you think, okay, this is—it's it, just not inside of us we can think about eternity we can imagine eternity we have this sense of eternity in our lives it's going to keep on going on and on and on for us inside when we have a death in the fellowship we shake we think how is that and then we recognize that she's still living with god now her body may be here may be in a box and we may put it in the ground but she's not there absent from the body is present with the lord and as jade was saying this morning she's worshiping god now Glorifying God now, happy where she is. Eternity now is her home. It was in her heart and now it's her home. She's there with the Lord. He says in verse 12, I know that nothing is better than to to rejoice, to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. It is a gift from God. Now you'll be doing a a, um, study through the book of Ruth reach the study of the book of Ruth there it's an interesting read you know you read the book of Ruth it's a story about a family that gets out of sync with God out of the season of God a man called Elimelech has a wife called Naomi and two sons and they decide because there's a famine in the land they decide that they're going to travel to a place called Moabite where the Moabites, where the Moabites live now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a, a famine in the land and a certain man from Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimebek, 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 Elimebek. You know, I said it a dozen times at home and as soon as I get up here I get all tongue-tied. You wouldn't be like me though, would you? You'd be able to read it straight away. Elimelech. now his name means God is king that's that's an important thing God is king he, his name actually said something about him he said God you're my king well if God is your king he's your ruler he's the director of your life isn't he then you've got to ask yourself Elimelech how did you actually get to go somewhere else outside of the will of your king because the king says you should be in your promised land and now you're moving out of the promised land to go to the land of Moab because you're not getting your provisions in your promised land. It's famine, so you think, okay, I'll take the rule into my own hand and I'll go out and I'll go and get for myself what God is not providing for me at the moment. God actually said, you know, if, you, if you repent from your sins, then I will bless your land and you'll get your harvest back and everything. But you know, he wasn't in this truth. You know, God was his king, but he got out of sync with God. He got into the wrong season. He started to go to the land of Moab and when he got there his sons uh, Malon and Chilion Maon means sickness and Chilion means wasting away not real good names Naomi means delight so they're all in this place where they shouldn't have been they left Ephrathites of Bethlehem and that basically has this idea of it has a dual play on words the name of where they left it means ashiness or, or, or famine and bread, you know um, a room or a house of bread it has that sort of play Bethlehem is house of bread and the is it means to, to be mourning or to have something like that so it has a play on words and sometimes you can have that happen in an English language. You get to play on words. Columbine. What do you think when I say Columbine? Sorry? Mass shooting, mass shooting Columbine. So you'd think mass shooting, you know, in, um, where people got shot in, in America, Columbine, massacres. But what is a Columbine? It's a flower. So there's a dual meaning, you see. It has flower and it also means mass shooting. So in your mind you get these two pictures. This is the same thing. The two pictures came from Jacob when he went there with Rachel. And Rachel died in this place. She was having her last son, Benjamin. And when she got there, she gave birth to the son and she died giving birth to the son. And she called him Ben, um, the son of my sorrow or something like that. And, And Jacob said, no, I'm going to call him a different name. I'm going to call him Ben, the son of my right hand. But the place that was meant to be a room of bread or a house of bread became the house of mourning. And so that's why the play is there. So they left this place that gave them good and evil and they went to Moab. And when they went to Moab, then Elimech, Naam's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. And they, the two they took wives for the women. Of Moab. So another thing they shouldn't have done. Remember they were told don't take wives from the, the nations around you. They took wives from Moab. So it was another thing that they shouldn't have done. And the name was Orpah and the, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there for about 10 years. Then both Melon and, and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her, her two sons and her husband. So here we have the situation. She's lost her husband and she's lost her two sons. She just is by herself now, in a foreign land, with her two daughter-in-laws. And we're told then that she rose with her daughter-in-laws, and she might t- return to the from the country of Moab, for she had heard that the country of Moab, that from the country of Moab, that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. See, now if they'd stayed in Israel, if they'd stayed in the land that they were meant to be, they would have got the bread. God would have blessed them but they had got out of sync with God. They got out of God's season and started... That's the biggest problem. you know. If you're living in God's season and you know what's happening and you're in sync with God, it doesn't matter what you're going through. God will bless you. You can go through a downtime or you can go through an uptime. God will be through the downtime and through the uptime and He'll keep you going. Just stay in God's season. Stay with God. But if you get out of God's season and you go somewhere else and try and do it yourself and you're looking after your own life, you're going to... You're going to suffer spiritual death. You're going to suffer the death of your, your future. Your whole life is going to be marked with suffering and pain because you're out of sync with God. She heard that back there in Israel, they were, they were reaping a harvest. And so she said, therefore, she went out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to the two daughters-in-law, go return each one to your mother's house. The Lord, deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Now they liked each other. They loved each other, these women. So the daughter-in-laws loved the mother-in-law. It's strange, isn't it? But they, it was working For them, it was working. So she said, I'm going back home to where I come from, my family of origin. And she turned to the girls and she said, girls, you go back to your family of origin now. Go back to where you come from. Well, we we find that there was a couple of things that took place. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. So they were insistent to go with Naomi back to Judah. They wanted to stay with their mother-in-law. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? And then she says, "Are there still sons in my womb. What what she's talking about now, she says, back in their culture, if she had a husband and she got pregnant and she had sons, then the sons, even though they're babies, the daughters, these two girls, would wait until the sons got older and they would marry the, the old women and give them children. That was their custom name so Naomi said to them, Don't hang around, you know. I haven't got a husband, and I'm not going to have a son. And even I did have a son, you're going to have to wait a long time for that son to grow up. Remember, they could get married when they're 30. So if these girls were 30 already, they'd be 60, but it would be all over. So she said, Go back, go back to your mum and dad. Go back. Turn back, my daughters. Go. For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope. If I should have a husband tonight and he should have their sons, he says, would you wait for them till they were full grown? So that's what she's saying. Saying, are you going to hang around for me to have a child and then you marry my son that I give you? Would you restrain yourself from having husbands? No, my daughters. For it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone against me. So she's saying, there's no hope if you come with me. No hope for you to get married. No hope. Go back. Now, this son of registered with Orpah and she said, okay, I'll go back. So they kissed and they wept and and the sister Orpah kissed her mother-in-law but Ruth clung to her. So we have a separation between two people here. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return with your sister-in-law. Now, notice that. She went back to pagan beliefs, away from the belief of God. This woman went back to her old ways. I want to talk to you about getting in season with God. This is the season that we're living in now. Things go round in seasons. Staying in the season of God is very important. So we have Ruth looking at this situation there. And she's clung to her mother. She's leaving all now to get in sync with God's season. She said, I don't want to go back to my old way. I don't want to go back to my old life. I don't want to go back to the old gods that I used to worship. Entreat me not to leave you, she says, or to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death, Puts between you and me so she's that's an incredible vow i actually said those words to my wife on our wedding day and she said those words to me because it shows great commitment of life it says where you go i want to go where you live i want to live your god will be my god and your people will be my people this is, this is bruce was saying i'm leaving everything to follow you Naomi. i know there's no hope in a in a for a husband but I love you and I love your God and I don't want anything else. I don't want to go back to where I came from. I want to go forward. So she's now rebelling against the temptation to get out of sync with God and turning towards God and saying, I want to stay with you and I want to stay in sync with you. And I want to stay in your season. and I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay in season with God. Now, you want to think that one through, really, because the society in which you live says get out of sync with God because it's not in season. It's not, it's not trendy to be a religious person these days. It's not trendy to be a Christian these days when everybody's telling you that maybe astrobiology, you know, is true and the aliens are coming and your whole belief system is going to be thrown out because it's rubbish. It might not seem to be popular to stay a Christian in these days when you're going to be called old-fashioned and narrow and religious, it will be out of sync with society. And you'll be tempted to, to think, I want to be modern. I don't want to be seen to be stupid. I don't want to be seen to be religious and believing in God, you know. Well, everything they say, you know, maybe it's true. You know, maybe God's a myth, you know. So Naomi said when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem and it it happened and they had come to Bethlehem that the city was excited because of them and the the woman said, it's Naomi. Is it Naomi? They were happy to see her. Oh, you come back. Hey, reunion time, 10-year reunion. And because Naomi's saying, you know, Don't call me Naomi, that means delight. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. He says, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, and she was in sync with God, and she was full. And the Lord has brought me home, again, empty. You all, when you go out with God, and if you leave God, you go out full. You You can't imagine how empty you're going to become when you get out of sync with God. The emptiness that will flood into your spirit. Some of you have been out of sync with God and the emptiness that flooded your spirit was the thing that drove you back to God because you discovered that there is nothing in life except what you can get in God. He is the fullness of your life. He is the meaning of your life. He is the the one that gives you a sense of purpose in your life. Getting out of sync with him leaves you empty. So Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, that they went and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now, I want to draw your attention, because this is Christmas time, I want you to draw your attention to the blessing that God has for those when you get back in sync with him. Now, you think, this is a little story of people who get out of sync, but surely God is not really that interested in people who just come back to him. I want to tell you about how interested he is. In Luke chapter 3, verse 23, we read these. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry about 30 years of age, being, as it was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. And then it goes on and tells you about his genealogy. And it goes down and says, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Selman, and the son of National. You think, oh, that's just... Now, wait a minute. we got some information here. Because when Naomi came back to Judah... And her daughter-in-law started walking around gleaning things. She met a man called Boaz, who was twice her age. And Boaz married this girl and gave her a child. So Ruth stepped out out of Moabite country into a divine plan. She became part of the line through which the Messiah would come. She stepped out of the Gentile world into Boaz's life and her son became the father of King David. Now let's just think this one through. Jesus was the son of David, who was the son of Jesse, who was the son of Obed, who was the son of Ruth who decided to get in sync with God and left everything to follow him. You think, well, that's amazing. Oh, well, good old Ruth. She really scored there. She really did well. Hey, she got out of herself and got into, into God's season. But listen, Boaz, he was the son of Rahab. Who was Rahab? Rahab. Rahab was another woman who was out of sync with God. She was a harlot. She was a prostitute who lived in the walls of Jericho. And when the armies came across to to take over the land, she out of all the people in Jericho said, you know what? I'm changing sides. I'm out of sync with God here. If I stay here, I'll be destroyed here. I don't want to be destroyed. There is meaning and purpose in following God. You know what I'll do? I will help the opposition. I will not fight the opposition. She got out of her own skin and she started to get in sync with God and God added her to the line of Jesus. It's amazing. Gentile women who were completely away from God now included in the line of God. You know there is a season for your life. There's a meaning and a purpose for your life. You might not, You might think, well, what is it all about? Get in sync with God and he will show you what the meaning is. He took a Ruth and he took a, a Rahab and he fitted them to the, the messianic, messianic line of, of Jesus. Why? Because they chose to leave all and follow him. Now you might be like Amalek and... Get out of sync with God and and be in a place of ruin because of it. My, my, My word to you is turn around. At the end of this year, do not close this year off being out of sync with God. Turn around. Turn around and face Jesus. Look at Jesus and say, I can find no meaning for my life, no purpose for my life without you. Lord, come into my life, change my life. Turn me around, forgive me for my rebellion, forgive me for my heart that's wandered away from you. Turn me around so that your meaning and your purpose can be fulfilled in my life, so that I am in season with you. What you'll learn is that being in season with God has some amazing things. Marie died a believer because this lady was in season with God Kath lived just down the road met her one day while she was walking her dog talked to her Marie wanted to look at the house that you were building come and had some tea and coffee with them there was a season for Marie that was the season for her to turn and she did an alpha course with some ladies in the church and got to meet the ladies who came to church loved the church she was searching it was her season and now she's at home with the Lord she fulfilled her purpose and God took her home but Kath if you had not been in your season if you had not been in sync with God where would Marie have been when we are out of sync with God it doesn't just affect us It affects our children. Our children die as well. It's time to move and turn around and say, look, this world may may preach to us that there is no meaning in life and everybody is creating their own meaning and whatever it is, you can just make it up yourself. Listen, there is a meaning that comes from God and God is in sync with the whole thing. He has told us how it will end. We can read it in the end of the book. We know how it will end. It's getting there very quickly. Get in sync with God. Do not let this year close and be out of whack with Him. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand up then. And bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to give you an opportunity today if you feel like you've been out of whack with God if things haven't been exactly as... You'd like them to be that you're feeling that your heart is far away from God and you need to turn around and travel back to that land of God again. God has called you here today to draw you to himself. And you've heard that message about turning back to God and to find purpose and meaning in him. And you want to respond today. You want to respond and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Help me. Help me grow in you. Help me get back to the meaning that you have for my life. If that's where you're at, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you today. Okay, okay. yeah. That's good. It's not, don't be embarrassed about that. That's fine. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want all those who raise their hands just to hold hands with the person beside you. And I want you to say this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus. I come to you now. Forgive me wandering far from you I ask you Lord Jesus to cleanse my heart to fill me with your Holy Spirit and, and carry me home to be with you help me Lord Jesus to walk with your Holy Spirit to fulfill my purpose in you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All those who prayed that prayer, you come talk to me after, and I want to I give you some stuff, you know, talk to you, okay? You come see me, girls. God bless you. God keep you, make his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.